Good evening. This is uh, Driving Theology. Um, I don't remember which I'm on anymore. <laughs> I think I'm kind of losing track. Uh, so, we are uh, in Advent. This is, uh, I think today is December, December the 9th, yeah that's right, December 9th, um, haven't really uh, thought of a good topic yet, so I'm going to be brainstorming a little bit about things that are going on with us, and, and hopefully uh, the Holy Spirit can flesh out a topic for us to talk about. Um, Past topics we've talked about recently have been the, uh, the Syrian crisis uh, with uh, ISIL, ISIS, and uh, also with um, how Christians are responding to uh, the threat of terrorism. And uh, we've talked about whether or not Christians are allowed to respond any differently than Jesus would <laughs> uh, and I, I don't mean allowed uh, as in there's a rule or something um, but that to follow Jesus means to uh, follow uh, him in every way uh, in every way possible at least uh, and I think you know loving loving those that he loved is a very important skill to um, cultivate in our in our uh, spiritual life uh, and right now I don't uh, yeah I've, I've been on Facebook arguing with family members and, and people who are very adamant that you know for example they'll say things like um, Islam needs to be outlawed in America things like this and it just breaks my heart it breaks my heart that that people would have such a biased view on themselves and excuse their own terrorist tendencies while judging those with terrorist tendencies uh, outside it seems very hypocritical to me for example the drone program where we uh, you know basically play a video game on our end but on the other end, there's an actual uh, unmanned plane flying, shooting missiles and killing people, sometimes innocent bystanders and children. Uh, which in my book is terrorism. That, that just looks like terrorism, feels like terrorism. And if it looks like terrorism and feels like terrorism, it must be terrorism. Uh, regardless, that's how those people over there see it who are be being targeted and who are under that threat and fear every day. Um, I just don't, I, I, I don't have anything against people who don't claim Jesus to be their Lord, uh, but if you claim Jesus to be your Lord, I have a problem with you uh, not accepting um, refugees uh, and 
passing laws against other religions uh, and uh, being um, xenophobic. Uh, I do have a problem with you as a Christian because we are supposed to rebuke each other when, when we are out of line. You know, Jesus Jesus didn't uh, defend himself or physically defend even those around him uh, when threats occurred. In fact, he, he warned them that, you know, to be, to be his disciple, they were going to have to follow in his footsteps. And for, as far as we know, 11 out of the 12 original apostles all died bloody, uh, violent deaths at least violent deaths, and as did Paul. Now, Judas killed himself, of course. As far as we know, tradition tells us that only John uh, lived to die of old age. Uh, and that's just the 12 disciples. There were many other people who were murdered, martyred, martyred by uh, the powers that be. So how does how does Jesus want us to look at death? How does Jesus want us to look at life, therefore? How does he want us to look at our life and our impending death? Because all of us will die. Someday. So what does Jesus want us to, to, to feel or to think about our death and our life? God is life. Jesus is life and light. Uh, I think life is at the very heart of who the Father and the Son and the Spirit are. Life. And death is the enemy. Um, death is the, the opposite of life. Death is not something to be hoping for, in a sense, okay? And now what I mean by that, and you have to define death in, in the terms that God defines death, because today we have this physical life, and because of the fall of mankind from the grace of God, our physical life and our spiritual life were rent in two, were split. And so that now, though we die physically, we can live spiritually. Now at, at one point, we will all be resurrected. There will be a resurrection of the, the dead at the end of time. Jesus returns again, uh, there will be a great resurrection, I believe, I believe this. At that time, our spiritual body will be joined to a renewed, perfected physical body, and the two will become one again. And so just as heaven and earth were rent in two by the fall, so were man and 
his spirit, or his physical body and his spirit were rent in two. And so today, if you have Jesus, if you live by Jesus, you have two men living inside you. If you don't have Jesus, you are dead already. Even though your physical body walks, you are dead already because you have not received the Spirit. Now does disobedient man have a spirit at all? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. What we do know is that when you become a disciple of Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. You receive the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God lives in you. And so at that point, you become two men and the Spirit over a life well lived will increase in influence while the old physical man will decrease. And then at the resurrection, the two will become one uh, in integrated, integral, perfected man. Okay, so here's, here's what we're brainstorming right now. Not only was man separated from God, man was separated from the spirit, and heaven was separated from earth when the fall happened, when sin entered the world. And so this reconciliation that Jesus came to execute is fixing all of those broken relationships, bringing the two back into a relationship of one, God and man, man and his spirit, heaven and earth. So sin was a destructive, dividing force. When Satan slithered into the garden and seduced Eve, he came between, he slid in, he slithered between God and mankind. He broke them apart. And that's what he wanted to achieve all along. Because in the breaking apart of man and God, Satan received his kingdom on earth. He is called the king, the, the king of this world. Now his kingdom lost its power when Jesus rose from the grave. When he defeated sin and death, Satan lost his power because Jesus took the throne back. And since that day, has been working in the world to restore these split, broken relationships. Now, man and wife, marriage, and we talked about the bridal paradigm in the past, man and wife is a picture of this reconciliation between two split sides. 
No, it's a it's a metaphor. It's a picture of it. It's not the thing itself. Okay, so when a woman and a man are married, the two become one. The two become one flesh, it says. The two are one. And so it's a picture of heaven and earth becoming one. It's a picture of God and man becoming one. Okay. It's a picture of the, the repairing of those broken relationships. And so, the chasm is large, the chasm is great, keeping those two sides apart. But that's the whole point of Jesus coming to the world, to fix that, and to establish his body on the earth, who will be the agents of that repairing. We, the body of Christ, are the hands and the feet uh, that bring repair to this earth, to people. Um, some of these thoughts are, it's the first time I've really tried to think those through. It's kind of, kind of interesting. Um, I don't know, I'd love to know what you guys think about that. But anytime you want to conquer someone, if you can divide the forces into smaller forces, you have a better chance of, of conquering them. Especially if you can separate them from their leader, right? Which is uh, <laughs> actually what if terror, a lot of, we started with terrorism, might as well go back to that. That's what a lot of terrorism seems to be is that trying to strike at, instead of the, the, the foot soldiers fighting each other, terrorism tries to start strike more at the heart of the enemy, where they live, or their leaders, or things like this. And actually, that's exactly what the U.S. government did when they went after Saddam Hussein, uh, and when they, when they went after uh, Osama bin Laden, they were trying to stop the terrorist groups by hitting the heads. Didn't work at all. Didn't work. Another head rose up to take its place. Now here's the thing, right? So if we are Christians and we support the use of deadly force to stop terrorism, in what way are we being the answer to the problems in the world? In what way, way are we reconciling man to man heaven and earth and mankind to the Creator. And what, where are we doing that in that? That is our main job. 
Our main job is to be the answer to the problem, not to make the problems worse, and not to punish, and not to judge. Martin Luther King said, hate cannot defeat hate. Only love can do that. Right? We can't return evil for evil. We can't win that way. And the Bible says, you know, what does it matter if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul in the process? And I feel like that's what a lot of people are doing right now. We are, we think we are gaining uh, America or gaining security or gaining revenge, right? This is what we want. And I hope we enjoy it because that may be all we get. You may not like what waits for you on the other side of life if you supported systematic murder while you lived on the earth. I hate to say it like that. I'm saying it as in nice a way as possible. But how in the world can we expect to be claimed by Jesus when we blatantly go against his heart? I mean, really, how can we expect it? And I realize it's a complex problem. One of the complexities in America is that patriotism is intertwined and wound up in religion. And most people don't know where one starts and the other ends. Uh, they're intertwined. People don't recognize that God doesn't love America any more than he loves Iraq, Syria. God is not a respecter of persons. He does not love the most evil follower of Islam any more than the most righteous Christian. doesn't. And if God looks at people that way, what right do we have to look at people any other way? Seriously, what right do we have? God loves everyone. God is love. God is love. We expect him to be wrathful, but God is love. God loved Osama bin Laden. God loves the leaders of ISIS. He loves them. Jesus loves them. Jesus died for them. Who are you to kill who Jesus died for? I just don't get the mentality. I, I don't get it. 
There may have been a time when I thought I did. But I really side with Paul. I want to know Christ and the powers of his rising and share in his suffering and be conformed to his death. I want to know Christ. I want to know Jesus. And I want you and everyone to be on that path. Nothing else matters more than knowing Jesus. And when we know Jesus, we'll know. We'll know what to think about these things. The reason we sin or we make bad choices is because we don't know Jesus. People cannot kill in the name of Jesus. And I, I can't stand by and watch Christians kill in the name of Jesus and just be silent. I, not possible. Now, I can excuse other people. I can excuse people. But when people claim to belong to Jesus and drag his name through the mud by ignoring what he said, I, I, it's, I can't stand still. And I'm not perfect. God knows I'm not perfect. I have problems and I make mistakes and I have I have a hard time of it, and I've, I've done things I'm ashamed of. We're not talking about those things. We're talking about life and death. We're talking about embracing the heart of Jesus by embracing those he loved. How can we turn away people who come to our shores in need of shelter, food, clothing. How can you turn them away and call yourself a Christian? I don't get it. We are in a sheep and goats moment right now, I believe with all my heart. We are, in a, we are being divided. This polarization that is happening, this issue that has come about and is polarizing Christians is necessary. Because now we know who's on what side. There's a song that says, Tell me whose side are you fighting on? I'm fighting on the Lord's side. And that's what this is about. Whose side are you living on? Whose side are you fighting on? Whose side? If you pick death and war and destruction and punishment and vengeance, you're fighting for the enemy. choose love, compassion, mercy, and grace, well then you're fighting for Jesus. And I'm sorry, I just don't see two ways about it. I don't. I do not see two ways about it at all. Uh, 
Well, this has definitely been my... <laughs> angriest rant and uh, I'm about to get gas here so I'm going to sign off people are looking at me funny for talking in my car that's alright uh, so I just pray that Jesus will show you in no uncertain terms which way we're supposed to go on this and that you will have the courage, no matter what your parents are saying, no matter what your, your uh, church is saying, no matter what your pastor is saying, you will have the courage to be on Jesus' side. Come hell or high water. Because they'll come. They are coming. Be on the side of the sheep. want to know Christ and the power of his rising. Well, peace, and I hope you will make the right decision. <laughs>